beautiful people. My name is Davi. I'm joined by Abe, and welcome back to another Tony Tuesday. How you doing? For our viewers and listeners, hope you guys are doing well. Um, we just watched episode. What episode did we watch? <laughs> what was that noise? Can you do that again? <laughs> this? I think that was episode five. <laughs> episode five of uh, season three. Another toothpick. Another toothpick. Um, and yo, there's a lot to unpack in this thing. Like. You got like midlife crisis. Yep. Um, end of life crisis. End of life crisis. Yep. Um, racism. <laughs> That's been prevalent for a hot minute now. Um, the wiretapping stuff. Yeah. Uh, what else? It's like this uh, struggle for control and power and the feeling of it. The power trip. Yeah. Um, uh, Corruption always. Yep. We had corruption take place. Um all in an hour. <laughs> like this was a this was crazy. Yeah, this this episode was, was nuts. I, I don't whoa. <laughs> but um all right, let's start with uh what's his name? Bacala. Yeah, um, old man Bacala. Old man Bacala. Yep. Um and or Bobby Senior. Yeah, Bobby Senior. What him his the we're bringing up the morality again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's brought up in this episode, yeah. Where it's it's a it's a man who who says that he's lived his life, mm-hmm. um, he's accepted the fate of his life, and he said, "You know what? I want to go out with a banger, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to, you know, feel like how the old times were." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering what what's your perspective with that, and how would you feel? Yeah, it's weird because I think I think being now- Bobby, like for example, <clears throat> yeah, I think the way that this season is playing out is like we're really digging into like the gray area and the morale like of morality here because like you have regular people's morals and values and then you have like values and morals within the mob and even then there's like a lot of gray area because this whole situation they need to take care of this guy because you know he put he put somebody in a coma that has friends has connections with the mob everything and the only way to do this and the way to do this right is to have old man Bacala because he's the only one who won't arise suspicion and that's Tony's thing um he's all for it like he's all like, yeah, for I'm, it I'm down uh yeah I'm I'm down I'm I you know he's like uh put me back in coach like you know what I mean like I, I hung it up a while ago he's but like if you need me man, to play he's like the 10th man yeah getting blown out exactly put him in he's the player close <laughs> to retirement who like you forgot was on the bench and the coach has no choice but to use him. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 now or never. Like, and this is his last uh, his last go. So it's weird because like, there's a lot of mo- different motivations at play. Obviously, like, it feels cruel. Yeah. There's multiple angles to this because one of it, it, f- it feels cruel to other people. Uh, Bobby obviously was upset that his dad had to do it. He was like grappling with that sadness and like just the thought of that for a while, which was like sad to witness. Um, and then you had. You know, Tony not wanting to have his authority question and Gigi's authority question, who who was the captain who called the hit and who had the idea. Um, there were multiple like dynamics of that, like that that power that was being questioned from Tony. Um, it happened during the first traffic stop. It happened when he was in therapy with his wife. It happened um, in those situations where Uncle Junior was trying to step in and like call things off. It felt like a lot of like people questioning Tony's um authority in certain ways 
I just felt like the the old man Bacala piece was such a central part of what was happening. And there's so many different angles to look at it that I don't even know like how to properly describe like the events of this of this episode. <laughs> it's, it, it, it is a lot. We you can go on for two hours discussing what we watched. Yeah. Um you know the part that I thought that I thought is crazy too is the junior angle of like not wanting the man to do it, but his motivation is so different because he wants the guy to die from cancer because of his own like superstition and how he's feeling about his own disease. That I thought was also crazy. I'm like, damn, <laughs> other people are out here feeling sorry for the old man having to do a hit. And you're like, bro, I hope he dies of that cancer. So it won't be me. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, but then come you come to find out that he's also he also got diagnosed yeah, with cancer. Exactly. And it's it's just a lot of like death in the in the air. Mm-hmm. And it's like the also like the older generation like being sunsetted like from from this family, right? Because you had Livia who passed, and you had old man Bacala who passed, Three, and now you have Junior basically on that road. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like this just continuous uh cycle and it's gonna end with now they're all gone this is the new generation what what does that mean for the mob what does that mean for the family yeah i mean like uh jams was saying they come in threes or something yeah yeah well the good and bad things i guess come in threes Mm -hmm. so i've heard that before Mm -hmm. um i don't know how certain people are superstitious for i don't know if it's like a specific italian american thing that people um talk about a lot but it's crazy that he would be so, you know, emotional about it and like so hell bent on the fact that he's next because of this. But I guess like when you're diagnosed with something like that, you might be like thinking irrationally and your emotions get the best of you and that kind of thing. So I think there's a little bit of that um, from Junior's perspective too. But just I thought that everybody's motivation for the hit, this random event. Yeah was like super central to like the power struggles and the dynamics that were going on in the background. And to see the way how they operate in the mob and their perspective and seeing how, you know, Junior, who is technically, you know, at the end of his life Mm -hmm. and how he sees it versus Tony and then also versus Bobby, his own kid, who's like, this is my father. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. He's sick. Everyone has these different, you know, uh, perspectives on, on how they see the situation. Yeah. And it's... It, <laughs> but it's... Tony's perspective that stood out to me where it's like, for the business and the good of the mob, this makes sense. Yeah. But also because um, Bobby Sr. said, no, I'm cool with it. Yeah, that. I think he feels validated yeah. because Bobby Sr.'s in that, you know. He wouldn't disrespect the old man. I don't no. think, like, there's that level of respect there. But also... He feels like it's validated because he it's something he wants to do. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Can we talk about that scene, by the way? No. that Bro, that hit scene, <laughs> crazy. And it was so good. Like, the way it was shot, I felt like I was in a mob movie. Like, it, it was so, it was mad intense. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, praying for this stuff not to go The buildup and also... I don't think there was a score on the entire time. Was no. there? No, right? No, I it think was it was a, just silent. It was very quiet and just the creaking of the footsteps yeah. in, in the building. Yo, he shoots him in the ear. Yeah, bro. Very I mean, the show has been gory, but I just felt like that scene was really gory. Yeah. No, that that scene that scene's probably one of the more graphic ones we've had in terms of the violence. 
um, like within the mob and the hits and stuff. That and like I think we've seen we've seen them kill people plenty of times and like load them up with gunshots. But like this one with the blood all over him and like that was crazy. And like just the old man fighting. No, and you know what's crazy? What I was feeling is like, do you do you feel happy for this man? For doing what he did, bro. That's the conflict. Like that's, that's the like, conflict that's within you're, yourself. Yeah, like, you're like, are you, are you supposed to be happy for him? Yeah, for doing this? exactly. I mean, like, I was happy that he made it. Out. <laughs> he made it out alive at first. I was like, damn, okay, old man Bacala. But then it's funny, right? Because I he I thought he was gonna die right then and there. Mm-hmm. As soon as he didn't die there, I was like, oh man, like, what is this guy's death gonna be? He's just gonna get arrested. He's gonna die elsewhere. And then he put the cigarette in his mouth. And I was like, this man is like fully accepted. Yeah, I, that's what I said. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. It's like when he, as soon as he picked up the cigarette, I was like, oh, he's, yeah, he's ready. He's ready. Exactly. And it's like, you know, at the end he's trying to, you know, he has the accident obviously, but I think as soon as he did that, he was like, it was like the closing of his career and just his story in general. That's crazy, bro. Like, that's wild. Yeah. To, you look at it as something very heartbroken. You're like, dang, like, this is what your life is. You know, you're going out, you know, to feel a high in your life. You have to take someone else's life. That's crazy. And then be like, okay, I can die now. Yeah. And and it's, uh, I mean, maybe people are look could look at it from a different perspective. But I, the one piece, like, if I'm, if I'm trying to play devil's advocate and look at it from the positive side, it's like, he's probably felt useless and like he can't help for a while now and him being able to do this drives some level of satisfaction some level of pride some level of like being okay with hanging up hanging it up you know what i mean um so that's the other angle of it it's crazy it's like a jersey retirement yeah it's like like, you're literally hanging you're hanging a number up in the raft yeah it's it's kobe's 81 the 60 game that he dropped at the end his last game he's like bro i gotta I got to go out with a bang. If you see it from like a, like you're reading like a mob history textbook and you're reading the story, yeah. you're like, yo, this is. Some people might be like, that's a badass way to go. Out. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they might tell stories about that later on. Um, yeah, it was a super, super interesting thing to see. And it's crazy how you see the reactions of people after the fact mm-hmm. and what they care about. That scene where Junior freaks out. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that he asked him is like, what did they say was the cause of death? Was it the cancer or the accident? I was like. What the hell's going on? Why is he so worried about yeah. it? Um, but what are your thoughts about Junior in this episode? Because we knew something was up, and then he revealed it. Yeah. Um, and the parallel with him and uh, uh, Bobby Senior. Uh, what what stood out to him in his narrative? I so I, the thing that I saw with Junior a couple times is like, I felt like he was kidding himself a couple times in this episode. So one was when Bobby asked him to talk to Tony about his dad and then he did basically and all that stuff and then he comes back he wasn't able to be successful with tony tony didn't budge he comes back and bobby's like did you talk to tony and then he's like i decided against it he's like kidding himself he's like he's he is hiding the fact that he doesn't have that power and influence because he doesn't have that power and influence in the mob space right now because of tony's position and how things are working he just he can't get them to budge and then you have like the actual feeling of him, like, how do I say this? His actual feeling of like uh, uselessness or like despair because he has cancer and like 
he really and he's like trying to kid himself that like things are going to be okay and that it's not going to happen to him because potentially he's going to die of cancer so i'm not going to be one of the three like it just feels like he's losing in front of us he has been like consistently losing power in his influence at the mob and now his health and it's like almost feels like the beginning it's been it's been the downfall of junior but now this feels like a path to the end for his kind of influence over the mob and his status and his life. Yeah. So do you think in the trajectory in the way this episode ended, was it Junior coming to terms that maybe I'm going to have to hang up my jersey? Yeah. I mean, just look at the way that at the end of the at the end of the episode, like asking him to go to the funeral and everything. All this man wanted to do was watch TV and eat his sandwich. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing crazy. Very simple and be done. A very different, you know reaction than you know uh, bobby senior um who was like bro let me do a hit like i'm, <laughs> I'm ready, ready to go like... out um but yeah it's interesting how they internalize that uh that message and how they take it um we saw the power dynamics with tony specifically with the with the officer mm-hmm. and um <laughs> his racism showing out yep, a little bit again <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that narrative playing throughout this episode and what stood out to you in that piece? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So one, it's the power dynamic piece. He doesn't like being told when he doesn't have power over something or like he doesn't like when he can't influence people because when that guy wasn't, when that cop wasn't taking a bribe and wasn't going to let him off, you could see he was like pissed. He, he, was, he wasn't happy about that situation. But then you have like this morality element where he, when he finds out that the guy lost his job because he goes to the, I forgot what, like that shop that he now works at. He calls the assemblyman and is like, oh, I don't know, all this stuff, right? And he has this like level of like trying to to find the right thing to do. Although like he's already doing, <laughs> like what is what is morality at this point when you're already so immoral and so unethical? Mm-hmm. Um, but still like there's these little, these little moments that he's like dealing with like what's right and what's wrong. And... He's he he wrestles with it for a bit. And then after the fact, he realizes he, you know, gets confirmation of, you know, the guy uh, who stole Meadows bike is black and like all this stuff. And then it's just like confirming all his biases and he gets that like confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Like he already had a thought in his mind and then he has a he has something happen that confirms that. Right. Like black people are bad. Black people steal all this stuff. And he's like, okay, now I like it's just more cemented in that in that worldview and in that perspective, um, which I think is really interesting because I wonder if that'll bleed into other things in his life and how he reacts to things and how he just deals with different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I that's what I thought about that, uh, and it's very clear now that his like desire to have control is I think one of the bigger themes now, like over everything. Yeah, like even the simple things, like he wants control over it. Um, and I don't know, I just think it's it was very interesting because um, even when he's going out to get like a, going to a store, you know, he, he feels like he, yeah, he, he needs, needs to, some, he needs some sort of control. Yeah, yeah, he needs to exert his authority and like be the boss and you know what I mean? And nobody can say no to him, things like that. Um, even in the the dynamics of the therapy session with his wife, like with Carmela, he he wasn't having that, you know, her 
um, ragging on him or saying that he's at fault for X, Y, and Z. Like he, he, he can't take that sort of criticism. He's never been able to really no. take that sort of criticism, to be honest. Um, and now I almost feel like he's digging in his heels a little bit more and getting a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, what did you think that conversation he had with Janice? That, that was a, that was a bonding moment, but very depressing yes. as well. Yeah. It was weird because I think he recognized like, she's the closest person that is also experiencing like the same level of loss with people that it's like, it's more complicated than losing a loved one because Livia died. We all know how terrible of a mother Livia was and the struggle that they kind of both had dealing with the obviously Janice dealt with in a <laughs> crazy ass way. But, you know, I think it was his one, like trying to reach out for some sort of comfort um, in these kinds of situations. So that's how I saw him and Janice kind of coming together in this episode. Um, and then him realizing, you know, Janice is bringing up these, um, you know, religious things. And she's saying like, she's found Christ. Can and I pray all of for this. you? Yeah. Can I pray for laughing. you? And, and yeah, this man's like basically laughing. I think that he, he doesn't, it almost feels like he's accepting that like nothing in the world can like actually help him or like actually take away pain or depression or, or anything like that. Um, and that's why I think he's like kind of laughing at Janice also because like in general, he shrugs Janice off. He doesn't, he doesn't think she's the most intelligent person, but now, do you think he was taking that conversation seriously? I think there was a point where he was, but then once she started diving into that stuff, he was kind of ignoring it because, you know, she kept saying like the whole, another toothpick thing. And it was something that his mom used to say. And once he recognized that he laughed a little bit, it was like reminiscing on it. So I think that he was appreciating that. Like, even though it's a weird thing that his mom used to say, it's kind of messed up. Like, appreciating that level of um, connection with his sister that he was able to have. Um, and then once she started to try to, like, fix things for him or, like, say, there's a better way to to deal with these feelings or, or you know, let me pray for you. And then he was like, I'm out. Like, I know, I know there's nothing in this life that can actually take away the pain. And uh, the wire has been neutralized. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. We're going to see another stakeout episode. We're going to put something else in the basement. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, we also saw uh, Artie's uh, midlife crisis. Oh, my God. This man. That that was nuts. That brother was starving. Um, <laughs> brother was hungry. <laughs> um, and it seemed, well, we knew from the first season where we met Artie and his dynamic with um, his Charmaine, wife, yeah. Charmaine, that you know, Charmaine is very upset that he gets involved with Tony. And mm -hmm. rightfully so. You know, he's in the mob. Like he, They're doing illegal business. Yep. Um, and you can definitely see that that's definitely caused um, a rift in their relationship. Yep. And um, got to the point where he was looking at other women, Adriana. Mm -hmm. And it got to that. As everybody does. As, <laughs> yeah. He's not the only one. No, he's not. Uh, everyone is a lot of, you know. Yep. Even Pop the cops, bro. The, <laughs> Even the <laughs> fans are the Yeah, they're doing the stakeout of the tennis thing. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. But what is one. significant about Artie's character with this? What? It, it's interesting because I even have a you know a bias of like when I was when I was reacting to watching this and I was like, damn, Charmaine sucks, bro. Like she sucks. But then you pointed out like. She has a reason for the way that she acts and the way like all the stuff she pushes back on is because of the mob and Tony. We root so much for 
the mob and Tony that we almost see Charmaine as evil or like a bad person, but she's not. Like she's actually, she has morals. She has values that she wants to draw a boundary between like the mob and, and getting involved with them. And that's where it feels like all of the conflict in their relationship stems from. Like we see them fight mostly about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting to me that, you know, Adriana specifically, because she is someone who's accepting of that lifestyle through Christopher and very clearly Charmaine is not. And to me, it was like it made perfect sense of like why he wants to do this, because he has a lot of moral quandaries, too. And it's been a while for him to, you know, get past some of those things. And he found out that Tony um, set fire to the restaurant, like getting over that stuff. Now, I think he's like almost like giving himself in and not obviously being fully in with the mob, but like caring less and less about it. And in that journey, I think he was realizing like, if I want to, if I want to go deeper in this, I want to take advantage of the opportunities. Uh, Charmaine can't be here because it never works. And that that's also why I think Adriana was, was the um, focus for him, but also because like man's in a midlife crisis, he's looking for the young, you know, Fine. Like, I need a real woman. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. But I think that it's again like the real woman thing is, you know, obviously she's beautiful and all this stuff and everybody loves her. But again, she's a woman who is accepting of that lifestyle and knows that and wouldn't bust his balls if he were to go into business with Tony and all that stuff. But then again, like that's not love. That's not real love. Like, and I think he's struggling with that because Charmaine was doing these things and, and telling him not to do it like looking at it now out of love. And if he didn't see it that way, I think he's going to continue to fall into some pretty negative um, habits. Yeah, man, bro. I was wearing earrings, bro. Yo, that's <laughs> hilarious, bro. This dude, this dude really said like, I'm throwing it back to 1970, whatever. When, when he had a full head of hair, that was crazy. I don't know what he thought he was doing there, but good for you, Artie. Yo, put yourself that out was, there. That was nuts. That was. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Ralph is a psycho. Yes, um, and I think one thing that just fascinates about me is just how psycho he is. The, the man has no filter. No. He's in the he's in the middle of the restaurant and he's just screaming. Yeah. He's like, Nah, yeah, we'll take him down. I'll take him down for you. <laughs> it's like you're in a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's a mob. It's, it's a, a mob. It's probably it's a, a mob, mob restaurant, hangout, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, I think the thing with Ralphie too is another power dynamic because. I think what I'm understanding from previous episodes is that Gigi was made captain over Ralphie. <clears throat> and he's been like very vocal about it. Everybody knows how badly he wanted it. And he still brings it up to these things. Like, I think Gigi said something. He was like, no problem, Cappy. Like, you know what I mean? Like being. Oh, he's petty. Yeah, he's being petty <laughs> about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wonder how much like where this pettiness will take him to. Um, and like what allies he can build to like cause problems because Richie was a whole different ball game. I think everybody, a lot of people respected and feared Richie. Ralphie is a little bit more of a loose cannon, but people like are more weary of him, I think, and less accepting of him. So I wonder how he will play like an antagonist sort of role. Mm -hmm. And I mean, opening this episode, we got um, Carmela there mm -hmm. with Dr. Melfi. <laughs> And you brought it up a little bit, and it, that was, I wonder if uh, she's going to go back. Um, but her analogy was, um, 
was uh, I thought it was good where she talked about like I felt like I'm the the new kid in class. Mm. And I was wondering, do you agree with what she said in that perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because couples therapy is one thing. But when you have couples therapy and the therapist has been seeing one of you for the longest time, they've had your story for forever. They know like they they know what you tell them. So it's almost like there's an inherent bias that goes on there to Tony's side. So it's like walking into a school and you're brand new. Kids who already know you, kids, teachers who already know you, like they you already have a rapport. You already have that. And it feels like you're the odd person out. So I totally get where she was coming from there. And like on second thought, like, you know, when Tony had offered it, I was like, oh, maybe that's good. And then like you see the dynamic and you're like, uh, actually, it probably wasn't a good idea at all. Um, just because, I mean, there's she's going to already come in with that bias also. You know what I mean? Like she's coming in like they're against me. And I think it's not a right mindset no matter what. No. And also in the culture, too. Yeah. You know, it's it's in the culture, you know, going to to a therapist is considered, you know, a, a flaw or something bad. Yeah. And she was telling and she was like crying in the car. And she's like, I can't believe after 19 years of marriage, like somebody's we got to pay someone to show us how to interact with each other. And that's tough. But I mean, that's real. And sometimes that's that's how it goes. But if neither of them are able to, like, respect each other, obviously, it's not going to work. And yo, you got something else? Any more questions? I don't. I'm good. All right. With that being said, y'all, thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode. We'll be back for more Tony Tuesday. See you soon, y'all. Stay beautiful. Peace.